Top of the afternoon to you and welcome to this episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Welcome to you friends, loved ones, and listeners from all over the world. You're listening to us on WGPL, WPCE, and WBXBAM here in Southern Virginia and Northeastern North Carolina. And we're also heard on the internet at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. If you would like to hear this or any other broadcast, you can find my podcast by searching the C.D. Hodges' podcast on iTunes or any podcast player on your smart device. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. Just search C.D. Hodges or the C.D. Hodges' podcast. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick. And what, and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. This is part three in my commentary on being black in America. Over the last couple of weeks, I've covered why I'm an angry black man in the United States of America, and I've pointed out things about this current social change movement that's different from other movements in the past. And I've also affirmed that, in my little finite opinion, there is absolutely a racism problem in the United States of America. Let me say it again. There is absolutely a racism problem in the United States of America. But today I want to give you a caveat to that statement. I believe it's fact, but I want to give you a caveat to it. And this may very well shock some of you, but here it is. Even though there is a very real racism problem in the United States today, Racism is not the big bad monster that it used to be. Again, this is my little finite opinion, agree or disagree, but racism is not the monster that it used to be. I believe racism has been reduced to a hurdle. It may be a high hurdle for a lot, but it's a hurdle nonetheless. And I know that's going to rub some folks wrong. It's going to rub you the wrong way. It's going to raise some folks' righteous indignation, their fear, raise your ire. Some folks are just going to discount the theory altogether. few of you probably even mark me as a sellout, but that's okay. It's still true. Racism is not the big bad monster that it used to be. Let me tell you a story to illustrate what I mean. Mr. Richie Parker is a vehicle engineer at Hendrix Motorsports. Hendrix Motorsports is a leading NASCAR racing team. Mr. Parker's engineering position at Hendrix Motorsports calls for him to design chassis and body components for all four of Hendrix race teams. At around 2013, Parker had been an engineer for Hendrix for about eight years already. And nothing about this story sounds abnormal thus far. But here's the deal with it. Richie Parker is a black man who was born in Beaufort, South Carolina in 1983. And that's odd enough by itself, but nothing extraordinary. A black man working with NASCAR may sound a little bit odd, but nothing extraordinary really. Richie Parker is a black man who, due to some birth defect, was born with no arms. When he functions in his engineering role, Richie Parker does all his design work with his feet. As a matter of fact, Parker does most everything in life with his feet. He eats, he drives, everything is done with his feet. Born with no arms, 
but Parker's parents wanted him to have a childhood that was as close to any other childhood as possible. They were determined to make it work. Richie Parker's parents rigged their house in a way that allowed Parker to do things by himself. They put ropes on the refrigerator. They rigged the microwave. Parker's father even rigged a bicycle so that he could ride the bike like other kids. How do you ride a bicycle with no arms? Well, Richie Parker did. As a young man, his parents didn't even feed him. They rigged a system with the silverware that allowed him to feed himself. Parker says he did everything everybody else did. He just did it in a different way. Parker became interested in automobiles as a teenager. At age 15, Parker saw his dream car and his father bought it for him. And I was watching the video of Parker on, on YouTube and I encourage you to go to YouTube and search Richie Parker. Just watch the videos. I was watching the videos of Richie Parker on YouTube. I was watching him wash his car just like anybody else. But I couldn't help be amazed at his sense of determination. And you can imagine the sense of independence you have if you're born with no arms. But you can get in your car when you want to and get on down the road as far as you want to, as long as you want to. And of course, they had to rig the car so he could drive it. But Parker studied at Clemson University. He studied engineering. And as he followed his dream of becoming an engineer, he actually became that engineer. The Hendricks engineering manager said he looked at 20 resumes before settling on Parker. In the interview, Parker showed the manager how he worked and wrote with his feet. He demonstrated that he could do the work of an engineer. He had the intellectual ability, the academic ability, the emotional ability, and he demonstrated by working with his feet that he had the physical ability to be an engineer. Parker started in an internship that was supposed to last 10 months. And eight years later, eight years after that, Parker was a full-time engineer and his work had contributed to five NASCAR championships. Richie Parker said, there isn't anything that I can't do, just things that I haven't done yet. Parker also said that as things got tough along the way, it was him and God because he had nobody else to depend on. He had faith all the way. Why did I pick out the story of Richie Parker? Because Richie Parker represents all that is great in black people. Richie Parker represents all that is great in anybody else that God made. God said, I'm creating you in my image. And being created in God's image means aligning our faith with his word, his creative ability, and stepping out and allowing nothing to hinder us from achieving our dreams. Richie Parker demonstrates that we can achieve in spite of circumstances. And I'm telling you today that if racism were still the monster that it used to be, 
Do you really think that Richie Parker, with no arms, a black man born in Beaufort, South Carolina, would be an engineer for NASCAR? Monster or hurdle, whichever one you pick, Parker succeeded against all odds, followed his dream, and went where his skills and sweat took him. Let me say that again. Whether racism was a monster, whether it was a hurdle, and I know he experienced it, along with people mocking his disability. Well, not even a disability, but monster or hurdle, either one. Parker succeeded against all odds. He followed his dream. Watch this. And he went where his skills and his sweat took him. I singled out Richie Parker because there are so many other stories like Parker's. I continually read every spring about black people who have graduated high school as valedictorians of their classes, even though they were homeless, even though they were poor, living in the projects, living in the hood, the ghetto, whatever you want to call it. But they achieved. One was Tupac Mosley of Memphis, Tennessee, a homeless high school kid, black in Memphis, Tennessee, school valedictorian, and awarded over $3 million in scholarships. A couple of years ago, black lady, Leisha Champs, graduated law school as a single mother of five children. Law school as a single mother of five children. This black lady went to law school, and law school is tough enough all by itself, let alone under these trying circumstances. A black woman, a single mother with five children. According to statistics, according to the common cry of too many black people, racism should have kept her from achieving. But it didn't. She set out. And like many others, like so many others, she had to drive and she went where her skills and sweat took her. Blacks have served in some of the highest positions in the United States military. General Colin Powell, the first black chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Admiral Michelle Howard, the first black and the first female to serve as vice chief of the Navy uh, uh, excuse me, Vice Chief of Navy Operations. This black woman was second in command of the largest, the greatest, the strongest Navy the world has ever known. And just last week, General Charles Q. Brown was named the first black Chief of Staff of the United States Air Force. Wow. They went where their dreams, their ambition their skills and their sweat and faith took them. Kenneth Frazier is the first black or the black CEO of Merck & Company Pharmaceuticals. Marvin Ellison, the black CEO of Lowe's Home Improvement Store. Ursula Barnes, the black female CEO of Xerox. Several years ago, Dick Parsons served as black CEO of Time Warner. And I won't even bother to mention the black Barack Obama, the first CEO. Uh, first CEO of the country, president of the United States of America, and there are so many others I just don't have time to mention. All I'm saying to you is that racism is not the big bad giant that it used to be. 
Let me point out one other case from the past, though. At the turn of the century, just after slavery, at the beginning, at the era of Jim Crow, Madam C.J. Walker, a black woman, became the first female millionaire in this country. She became a millionaire before any white woman and many white men in a time when it wasn't cool to be black and it sure enough wasn't cool to be a black woman. She did it anyhow. She went where her faith, her dreams, her skill, and her sweat took her. Against all odds, she did it. Against the statistics, she did it. Listen, whatever system of racism you believe works against you, whatever system of racism you believe works in this country today, I just refuse to believe that it is a racism as, as pervasive, a racism as outlandish, a racism that was as big and as bad of a monster as the racism that worked against Madam C.J. Walker. I'm using these examples to make the point that racism is not the monster that it used to be. I told you last week that racism is a complex issue. It is a complex issue. I'm not oversimplifying it. Please be patient with me if you think I am. I'm not discounting the trouble, the heartache, and, and just the pain and the suffering that so many have experienced. And some experience even today. I'm not discounting that. I'm really not. I'm telling you that I understand racism is an extremely complex issue. But at the same time, it's just not the monster that it used to be. Racism is not the monster that it used to be for a couple of reasons. Racism is not the monster that it used to be, number one, because blacks doing great things and achieving great heights that were unimaginable just two generations ago are no longer an anomaly. It used to be strange to see black people achieve great things. It used to be a one in a million. It used to be just unheard of to rise to the heights that I've described in just these few moments. But it's no longer an anomaly. It's becoming commonplace. Still not where it ought to be. Still not where it should be. And it's certainly still not where it's going to be. But it's no longer the anomaly that it used to be. This is happening. Black people achieving the unheard of. Black people achieving the unimaginable. Black people climbing heights that were once unimaginable to forefathers. It's happening at a rate where it's becoming the norm. So racism is not the monster that it used to be, number one, because black people doing great things is no longer the anomaly it used to be. is becoming commonplace. And number two, these people put their time in. They did the work and it paid off. These people put their time in. They did the work and it paid off. All of those people in the military, started off at the same time in their career 
as other white men and white women. But so many other white men and white women have gone off the scene while these generals and admirals continue to climb. There are many other white people, white men, white women, who had the full use of their bodies, their arms, their hands, and their feet. So many of them started engineering school. But unlike Mr. Ritchie, they did not finish. So I'm telling you, racism is not the monster that it used to be because number one, black people doing great things is no longer an anomaly. It's becoming the norm. And number two, black people who put their time in, who chase their dreams, who realize they have purpose and who refuse to listen to statistics, who do the work, it pays off. They achieve great things. All the people that I named, all these people in all these fields have one thing in common. They decided that their dreams and goals were worth the sweat. What I see in my vision is worth the time. It's worth the sweat. What I see in my future, it's worth the time. It's worth the sweat. They didn't listen to people tell them that statistics said you're not supposed to be great. They put the sweat equity in it. They put a strategy into action. And they worked towards their goals. They refused to allow anything to stand in their way. Not racism, not statistics, not the part of the neighborhood they were from, not the part of the country they were from, not the color of their skin. What they saw in front of them was a dream. Faith pushed them. Determination drove them. They put their time in. The sweat equity allowed nothing to stop them. And they achieved. Instead of sitting back listening to statistics tell them what they couldn't do, they decided they would learn the system, whatever it is, they would learn what's required for success. And by God, I'm going to do those things because I have a dream. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Our country has significant problems. I'm telling you, our country has significant problems. Things happen daily that appear to call into question the state of race relations in the United States of America. And every time it seems like we're making headway, every time we begin the much needed, the much needed, the much needed discussion on race relations seems like some dummy does something that knocks us back a decade. That cop putting that knee on George Floyd's neck Seems like it called into question the state of race relations in the United States. But I think it did more maybe to help race relations than anyone realizes. 
as we see more white people than ever in the streets protesting, as we hear of legislation changing, as I saw just today, just today, the President of the United States of America, whatever it is you think about President Donald Trump, while Democrats have told blacks for years, the system is against you and you need us to help you out. Whatever you think about President Donald Trump, today he signed an executive order that said to police departments all over the country, you can get some federal money to help your program if you will certify, credential your police officers, change your systems, turn them around, and bar these unnecessary foolish chokeholds. Oh my God, I know I'm going to make somebody angry. But somehow or another, in eight years, President Obama couldn't get around to saying that. Couldn't get around to taking an action like that. It felt good when he told us Trayvon Martin could have been his son. But I'm not sure what action really followed. So many, so many of my black brothers and sisters remain in poverty and marginalized. Yes, we got the problem. Several variables play into this, though. And some of those variables actually outweigh racism. But here's one thing that I can say. If racism were really the monster that it used to be, if racism were really the big bad monster that some make it out to be, then no blacks anywhere would achieve anything nowhere close to what is being accomplished today. I'll say it again. If racism were as bad as some of us think it is, if racism were as pervasive as some of us say that it is, if racism, listen to me, my brothers and sisters, if racism were the big bad monster that democratic political leaders continue to tell us that it is, then no black anywhere could achieve anything nowhere close to what is being accomplished today. Let me add this to the mix. Black people do not benefit from these politicians continuing to feed us the lie that we cannot do without them. Black people do not benefit from politicians continuing to feed us the lie that they plan to give us so much and do so much for us. Every name that I gave you already, another thing they had in common, they did not listen to politicians dribble over them, telling them how much they needed the government. They decided I have within me what's required to make it. I can make a change in my environment. And by God, with God's help, my determination and sweat, I'm going where my skills take me and my dreams push me. Hmm. I don't mean to be harsh, but the government is not and cannot be our father. The government is not and cannot be our father. The United States government is not our great white father. I told you that those accomplished blacks did the work. When is the last time we had one of these politicians come into our church before election time? When did they tell us in our churches 
that we have to put the work in. I don't recall Nancy Pelosi saying it. I don't recall Chuck Schumer saying it. I don't recall politicians telling us that it takes sweat equity. You have to put the time in. You have to put the work in. You have to be educated. There is a way out. There is a way up. And every time, it doesn't take government pulling you up. We have many blacks swearing allegiance to the organization Black Lives Matter. But the Black Lives Matter's stated purpose is to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. I'm telling you this. This is right on Black Lives Matter's website. Disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. They can only, I can only conclude that Black Lives Matters, their goal is to do away with the man as the head of the family. The Western prescribed nuclear family? The nuclear family is not Western prescribed, it's Bible prescribed. The nuclear family ideally is a man and a woman who are married and have children. That's the nuclear family. And there are non-traditional families. I know there are single mother families. I told you about one already. I know there are dads who are heading children. I know there are brothers and sisters who are raising their brothers and sisters. Some children have to go be raised by their grandparents. There are non-traditional families. But to say that your goal is to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family, I can only conclude that your goal, Black Lives Matter, is to do away with the man as the head of the family and to pave the road for Bill and Ted or Mary and Jane. And this is anti-scriptural. And we blacks had better pay attention because this means the end of black power as we know it. It's the missing father that's having such a negative impact on our black families now. And Black Lives Matter uh, intends to finish the job. Listen, blacks have suffered horrendous wrongs as a result of racism. I'm not discounting that. And we really can't measure the totality of that wrong. Shucks, I'm African with a smattering of English and a hint of Irish. That's because of slavery. My name is Hodges. <laughs> That's Irish, not African, because of slavery. And I can go on and on with this line of reasoning, but I still come back to the point that I'm making today, and that is racism is no longer the big bad monster it used to be. Two weeks ago, I defined racism as a social system where a group in power systematically, overtly, and covertly denies a group with less power the same rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that the group in power enjoys. Do I believe this is the case today? Yes, I still believe it. Do I believe racism as I defined it here exists to the degree that it did 150, 100 years ago, 75, or even 50 years ago? No, I do not. Yes, that system still exists. Does it exist as it did back then? No, it does not. Too many examples tell us otherwise. I personally believe that racism exists among smaller groups. And more than that, racism exists as a personal ideology of many out of touch, still living in the dark, 
ages dinosaur of human beings. These people who got left behind in time. These individuals who are bent on a belief that people are superior and inferior based on the color of their skin. That that type of stuff only exists in pockets and in what is now a minority. Some of them are in power, yes. And unfortunately, it's even in churches. Yesterday, I listened to Pastor Tony Evans' interview. He said that a group of white men invited him to speak to their group about the Bible at a country club that he wasn't allowed to join. How terribly hypocritical. The vast number of these people have racial biases and tendencies that occur so naturally. They call the police on black people for doing normal things. They call the police because a black person pays cash for expensive items or has large sums of money in his bank account. We can talk all day about how bad we have it in the past, but that doesn't serve our future well. We can talk all day long about what other people, including the government, owe us. But if you're waiting for the government to pay you back, that wait is going to be so long, you're going to rot in your seat. Listen up, people. Ain't no big payback. We were done wrong and we are owed. But there is no government effort that can make us whole. The only way we're ever going to be made whole is to first put our full hope and faith in the holiness and the justice of God, then take responsibility for our wholeness and do the work required to achieve greatness. It's high time for blacks to have some difficult, hard, honest conversations about the role that we play in our own destiny. It's time for blacks to do a Michael Jackson Make a change, starting with the man in the mirror. Hey, look, I'm out of time. I got to get out of here. Thanks for joining me. Again, if you want this, check out my podcast. Look for any podcast player. Search the C.D. Hodges' podcast. You'll find me there. Listen, I got to go, but God bless you. Always remember, you can't have peace until you surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.